Welcome back to Made in the 80s, a podcast about the 80s made by people <laughs> who are made in the 80s. I'm Kendon, and I'm sitting in for Shalia as today's host. And who do we have with us today? <laughs> we have Tim. And this is Angelo. Special guest, Angelo. Welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, <laughs> you can tell everyone why we're laughing. It's fine. We are laughing because this is the second time I forgot to hit record. Um, <laughs> but I caught it this time. Got it. Tim is usually supposed to uh, remind me of this, yeah. but we did not get too, too far. And so we have not wasted as much time. We no. lost an entire episode. That's By the way, um, episode. Yeah, one of the reasons why we have been a little more absent than usual, but we are getting back on track. Today, we will be reviewing Manhunter 1986. Mm -hmm. um, but as usual, let's start off with the news. Um, I'll go first. Not a whole lot of news. We have Tom Clancy's Without Remorse trailer come, coming out. It came out. That's on Amazon Prime. Stars Michael B. Jordan. And um, it looks fun. Nice little revenge film where he's he was killed, his wife was murdered, and his baby, it looks like in the trailer. Not quite sure. They don't like the Punisher. Very Punisher-like. He then goes on a rampage killing a bunch of people, I'm sure. The cast looks great. Like Coleman Domingo is in it, who I love. He's on, you know, people know him from Fear the Walking Dead and Euphoria. Um who else is uh, I'm spacing on Nipsey Hussle's late wife. What's her name? Lauren London. Yeah. Lauren London's in it. She plays his girlfriend. I like her. I like her. Um, so, yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited. It's on Amazon, so it's not going to hurt you to, to watch it if you need to watch it. It's not, you know. But it looks fun. It's, it's, it'll be interesting seeing people turn Michael B. Jordan into an action star. Turn? Up and Jet. I mean, we had Black Panther. It was an action star. That's like a fantasy movie, like an action. I've got guns and I'm killing a bunch of people. <clears throat> okay. That kind of star. Looking forward to it. I, I, I'm a fan of that guy. I like him. I like him. We'll see. Anything else? Uh, that's it for me. Mr. Angelo? Yeah, I was just uh, gonna say that I don't know what you guys were talking about recently, but the biggest news for me is uh, that's upcoming is Bad Batch. Uh, it's coming out on May the fourth, and uh, the Ahsoka show, which I'm hoping is gonna launch at the end of 2021. But at this point, since there's been no uh, official announcement of the that it's in post production, I'm gonna assume that it's gonna be 2022. Um, but my favorite character in the Star Wars universe is Thrawn, and I think we're finally gonna see a live action Thrawn in that Ahsoka show. So I'm very very excited for that. Big fan of Thrawn from T Timothy Zahn books that I read in high school. Did you read those in high school or after? After. Uh, the, the, the Legends books I read after. And then um, I did all the new Thrawn books that were written by Timothy Zahn. He did another trilogy that takes place in the, the timeline of the Empire. Uh, and then he is also writing another trilogy that takes place about Thrawn that takes place uh, prior to Thrawn engaging with the Empire. So it's Thrawn Origins. And they are... Uh, I mean, Timothy Zahn has just kept the same integrity and narrative uh, and, and true to the character the entire time. So it's they're really enjoyable. All right. Well, I have a couple of things to share um, to begin with. A couple of losses for me related uh -oh. to my earlier earlier life. First, is, being, is this Dr. Seuss related? 
Um, oh, wait, are you talking about the the books that they that they stopped selling? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awkward. I mean, listen, my first I first learned how to read Doctor Seuss. That was my initial. I so I can see it bright as day, only because I had a nightmare. Cause like my it was like my bed and next to it was like this Doctor Who shelf. I don't know where my parents got it from. I had all the Doctor Seuss books. A lot of them passed down from my older brother, but I had all of them. But next to that was my closet. And for a week straight, that's probably why I love horror movies now. For a week straight, I thought there was someone in my closet. But it, the light from the window hitting my jacket and it looked like a person. <laughs> Tim, did, did it say, do you want to play? Do you want to play? No, man. I was talking about terrified, and I was too afraid to say anything. I would just lay in my bed and stare at the closet like, if I keep watching him, he's not going to move. Weird. I mean, I had a, like a bad dream when I was a kid. I was terrified of these Raggedy Ann dolls that we had of our family that mm. I had to, this was. Dolls of your family? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of customized. So, you know. Like voodoo dads. dolls. Stop it. <laughs> Someone made a customized doll of me. Yeah, well, it was like it was probably from a fair or something. Well, no, maybe not. Gra- Grandma needed to make sure she was still in control of the family. Man, she said, yeah. "Don't fuck around." <laughs> well, I remember like I had to walk past it to my bedroom. This is pre-elementary school, and I remember very vividly laying in bed and one of them floating over me. Excuse it was me. yes <laughs> it was creepy i was so scared to even walk by and look at that room after that yep. yeah no nope. nope. me and angela same reaction nah <laughs> nah i'm not doing it so um i don't yeah. even recognize i didn't recognize the books that they stopped publishing for no one no one does history. that's why this whole outrage thing is ridiculous no one does and it's the, it's the estate the estate was like we're not going to print these anymore we think they're offensive they're like third tier yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not even a popular one. It's you not know, Cat in the Hat or Hop on Pop. Angela, did I give you Hop on Pop when you uh, had your first, or it was another friend? No, yeah, that wasn't me. Oh, okay. Well, what I have actually lost, or we all society has lost, right. is Fry's Electronics. Um, opened up here in in the Seattle area in Renton back when I was in high school, um, and it it seemed like just almost Toys R Us for electronics. I don't know. It was kind of a big deal. Was Having gone back, you know, as I got older, I was like, this place is kind of a mess. But <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. surprised stores like this have lasted so long. With everything yeah. digital now, like it's odd. Like if you're not going to buy a TV or an actual device. They had a lot of, from what I understand from the articles, a lot of uh, kind of, not fringe, but, you know, um, niche computer products, yeah. you know? And then a bunch of other weird stuff like, can- well, not just candy, but like weird snacks and, and mm-hmm. odd stuff. But the reason why I had a, a lot of, uh, I guess, appreciation for it is an undergrad buying a lot of DVDs from there. And they yes. had good DVD prices, particularly with like specials, like buy three for like $35, something that was a lot you know, cheaper than you were able to get at other places. So I got another movies out of there. So, you have any particular? So, I, I my question would be: How long before Best Buy goes the same way? Yeah, I feel like it'll survive. Yeah, because Best mm-hmm. Buy's niche is like they're geek squads selling laptops, selling TVs, selling sound bars. 
selling stuff. And, and, and Best Buy has done something that I think a lot of people haven't done. Early on, they really transitioned to their online store. Like, yeah. And doing in-store. That was what I was going to say. Like, they were really good. They were early with that. So I think they'll survive. I think most of the stores will survive. I'm, I'm mad at some will close, but I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to die off. I think yeah. like physical stores will stay around in certain ways because in the end you want to go in and see these things like the television you want to see they had that little audio section off in the corner that you could close yeah. off. Well, you know, in Washington, it's interesting. Some of us who lived here, the majority of our lives, will remember. Do you remember Magnolia Hi-Fi? I remember that? Hi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Is Best Buy acquired them. You no, know, they no, they acquired them. So now Best Buy's. Um, like home theater installation crew was Mag Hi Fi. They just acquired them and made it part of their business. Yeah. Mag Hi when I first saw an HD television. Yeah. They were, they were showing, it was around like the Winter Olympics. And I remember like, seeing like blades of ice. And I was like, what? Like on the TV. <laughs> it was and I was like, wow. Like, I had never seen that much definition in a television before. Of course, sports, sports were, have always been like I feel like the the highlight of when they bring them out. You know, the showpiece yeah. for these sort of TVs. 4K, I remember too. For, yeah, 4K. So sports, you know, like NASCAR racing, football, Olympics, anything that's bright, colorful, a lot of fast movements. But like I remember, they would always show what's that movie with just uh, with uh, Justin Timberlake and Jessica Alba? Deep. Something to do with time out of time. The blues, the C, C something. Deep blues. No. Blue C. Hold on. Um, they would show that a lot because it was so bright and colorful. So whenever I would go see these displays, it would uh, it would always have this movie. And as sports so, fans, into, in, into the blue. Into the blue. Into the blue. Yep. It was her and Paul Walker. As sports fans, I figure you guys then also uh, when that short that hot minute were three D TVs. Or a thing, I feel like I saw a lot oh. of sports. <laughs> well, did that improve the experience at all? For no, no, yeah, Angelo, no. you being like you are always getting like a new the newer TV and stuff like that. <laughs> Actually, as much as I like technology, I'm starting to get hand me downs from Angelo. Um, but you didn't, you didn't go into the uh, that's how I knew it was gonna die. Angelo didn't adopt 3D, no, it was no, no. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a bad idea. I mean. It, I, I get what what they were trying to capitalize on after you know the surge in three D movies uh, at, at, at movie theaters, um, mm-hmm. but no, just for home home theater experiences. Yeah, I'd go and see I'd go and see Avatar again. And I don't I don't think people necessarily want that from their home theater experience. No, they don't. They want big bright colors. Um, the bigger the better, flatter, take up less space, not heavy, something you can mount. <clears throat> what they want they want good quality and good picture and good sound yep yep they're not concerned with like does it do you know does it also you know is it a toaster as well they want a smart tv that works that's it yeah is it will it also double as a bidet terrific (laughs) it's it's 77 inches and it's an air fryer so (laughs) why do you watch the tv like yeah it's no one wants make some popcorn chicken and shrimp (laughs) <laughs> yeah why not why not oh my gosh so another bit of sort of sad news for me daft punk is separating no longer going to be together as the powerhouse musical force that they have been yeah 
Yeah. I'm really not okay with this. I'm just really not okay with this. No more helmets. I understand this was new news to you, though. It is. I just... I, we're just going to have to move on. If I keep talking about it, I'm just going to be sad. Real, oh. real quick question, though. Do, do either of you have a favorite Daft Punk song? Yes. I have a, I mean, a, a favorite? Because they're one of a my favorite. favorite groups. One More Time has a lot of memories from going to clubs in Whistler with a lot of my friends. Uh, uh, so that's, you know, one of my favorites. Um, Lose Yourself to Dance with... That's a Pharrell. fun... That's a feel-good... That's a fun... Did it ever make it as a? Go ahead. And it's long. Yeah. And it gets it gets repetitive at the end in a way that's fun. It's just Pharrell saying "Lose yourself to dance," and it just keeps going. Like it's come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> Did it's that make it a fun song? Because I think it's superior to um, "Get Lucky." Yeah, I like it better than "Get Lucky," but "Get Lucky," I get why people like. Get yeah. Lucky, do play it like a daycare. Like I get it. It was never it was never released as a single, but I mean, certain uh, like electronic radio stations have picked it up and played it as such, but it was never like a billboard single. Yeah. No. Yeah. So for me, it's a tie between Lose Yourself to Dance and um, Something About Us. Mm. Yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah, my favorites. I was just say my favorites Aerospace. 100 percent. It rhymes me like a video game score. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We, we should all, oh well, man, video game score. Uh, okay. I could go on and on. Maybe some <laughs> other time. But I think we should shout out uh, the popularity you get, you get from um, the, some of their um, collaborations, right? Um, I don't know. Does it count as a collaboration with Kanye? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Made very famous uh, his stronger. Uh, which is a great song uh, by Daft Punk as well. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Um, and then the weekend. Um, yeah, Starboy. Starboy, and they have another. There's another one on that album. Yeah. Yep. Angelo, can you give me the name of that one? Yeah. Uh, if you give me one second, I can. Yeah. I know the name of it. Hold on. I was just listening to it. Lose yourself to uh, I feel it coming is the other song they did. Yeah. I feel it coming. And they, they have their voices on there all electrified. And, and uh, this is such, yeah. Um, I don't know. They've given us a lot of good music, the Tron Legacy uh, soundtrack and stuff like that. So I'll miss them, but you know, I'll just keep listening to the amazing music that they put out. I've messed around with digital music making a, a bit, and it really did kind of lean towards daft, punky sort of music. Yeah. So um, even the old theme song to this podcast was me kind of noodling around in that sort of style. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. The last piece of news here is it's been confirmed that uh, George Lucas is returning to Star Wars as a writer. I don't have much more details than that. I don't think they've released. But as our resident Star Wars fanatic, Angelo, are you excited about this? I am. I am. I think if as returning just as a writer and not as a producer or a director. Um, it is very exciting. His vision and his, his world building and his, I don't know, his character development's always been somewhat questionable, but his world building uh, vision and just kind of overall driving plot lines have always been, you know, something I consider to be genius. Several people would disagree, but 
I that's my opinion. I think he's better at character design than character development. Right. Picking just the yes. right yeah. Yeah. Vader, obviously. But the Emperor, <clears throat> I think the Emperor is just incredible with his weird wrinkly butt head. Yeah. <laughs> um well, all right. Um so that's the news I have. Um nothing else from everybody else, right? No. Nope. But since we have enough people to do this, I'm going to do trivia, Shalia's favorite. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready? This is from ready. our uh, 80s trivia. Okay. Sure. What two actors played the Blues Brothers, Joliet, Jake, and Elwood in the movie of the same name? Jim Belushi. Dan Right. Well, you guys got it. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. He has a brother, Jim, right? Yeah, so John, John unfortunately, is the one that passed away. Um, okay. Jim is still alive. Okay. Both Before, actors, uh, John, John was more the comedian. Jim was more the drama actor, did a few action movies. Okay. So according to Growing Pain's theme song, what should you not waste another minute on? Don't remember. Worry? I should know this by heart. <laughs> it's not. It's Is not it worry. Not not far. Uh, you're kind of <sighs> close. I can't recall. What might you do if you were worrying too too much and it was really getting to you? Stress. My my hint there wasn't that great. So drink. The answer is crying. Oh, crying. Yeah. Okay, let's see here. What very real group was quote unquote gonna make you notice with their 80s hit, their 1980 hit song, Brass in Pocket? I'm not familiar. No idea. Never heard of that. Angelo's <laughs> our music guy, and he is saying, Nope. The Pretenders. I've never heard of them. No. Oh, sure you have. Um, uh, it'll come to me later. But no, that's not their, their most popular song. Okay, I think we can. you can get a couple of these ones coming up. What player proclaimed Ma- Magic Johnson the best I've ever seen after Magic defeated his team in the 1987 finals? Uh, Larry Bird. There you go. Wasn't it Bird versus Magic or something? Magic versus yeah, Bird? Yeah, they, they went at it in the 80s. Yeah. But like on Genesis and stuff. Yeah, Bird versus Magic. Oh, versus yeah. Magic. That was a video game. Yep. And they had Converse commercials together and everything. It was it was nuts. I kind of remember that. Yeah. All right. So I've got uh, one we'll definitely get. Come on. Bounty Hunter. All right, man. Two, two words and you're about to get it. Samus Aran, <laughs> who was on a That's mission right. to defeat Mother Brain was revealed to be a woman after the player beat what video game? Metroid. Metroid. That's right. All right, finally, fill in the blank. Episode five of season one is titled The Flea and the Blank. Did, does it give you the sh- Oh, the oh, show? that's right. The, <laughs> the uh the final question on all of these cards is about uh, Stranger Things. That, that oh, okay. So, so season 
episode five of season one is called The Flea and the Blank. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't remember. If you kind of remember what the uh, the whole idea behind the flea is, might help. Is it the flea and the rope? You're kind of close, but that's it's like because it's like the flea that flips from one side to the other, right? It's the rope, or I, I can't remember. It is the flea and the acrobat. The acrobat, uh, yeah. That's the flipping part. That's, Very good. Yeah. I think I kind of I like this. Part. <clears throat> well, that's all we have for trivia. Yeah. So uh, unless we have anything else, we can get into the movie. Would have been watching. We didn't do that. Dang, dude. Ooh, what have we been watching? Good That's call. Right. <laughs> Angelo, as guest, you want to start? Yeah, you can start. Uh, sure. Uh, my wife and I, have finally, it's very hard for us to find a show together. So we watched season one of Outlander. Um, oh. You know, it's as far as a, a, a fantasy, romance, drama, period piece, there's enough in it that I can appreciate. And you know same for for my wife and so yeah we we kind of enjoyed it together it's it's a little corny and it's it's definitely a little uh excessive <laughs> at times <laughs> but uh you know it, it, as far as finding a show together it, it it was it was a nice find um what else have i been watching uh i finished um his dark materials season two. Oh, i right. won't watch that with me because of the the animal on animal violence oh yeah yeah it's uh man i i think it's a very well done show a very well done show it's it's a bummer too because if you remember the golden compass movie that came out it was so bad it was so yeah. bad i remember my niece went to see that so bad my sister was like this looks terrible. i went and saw it in the theaters i don't remember it being bad but i don't i didn't oh, really gosh, it was terrible. judge it that yeah it, it was yeah i remember it being entertaining but that was like a trend these big like large scale i think it must have been because of the lord of the rings and, and um harry potter that st- studios were looking for like those sort of fantasy movies epic fantasy movies that were a whole series if you remember the lion witch in the wardrobe had another couple of movies as well it did no well his dark materials i i really wanted to watch it with shalia but I'll i'll get through it on my own eventually so yeah I think Angelo has frozen. Is he frozen? I thought he was giving us blue steel. Can you hear me now? You sound like Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Sounds like he's doing a Daft Punk impersonation. So yeah, um, uh, outside of Outlander and his dark materials, I also finished watching uh, The Flight Attendant on HBO Max, which uh, uh, the Kaylee Cuoco, yeah, she was up for a Golden Globe for. Um, It it was actually really enjoyable. You know, it had the the actor who played, um, the male actor who played uh, Dario Naharis in Game of Thrones. I thought he did a terrific job in it as well. Yeah, which Dario? They changed from Francis. The the, the one who was longer standing. Oh, okay. I like the first one, actually. He wasn't a great Who had multiple seasons instead of just one i think that actor for the first dario though i, I liked him from um not daredevil what is deadpool who's in deadpool yeah he was francis uh he was francis he just yeah he's a bad guy in deadpool, deadpool 2 no no deadpool 1 one but francis yeah okay angel's making a face 
Yeah, he was definitely it was def- because he was getting his powers in that movie. He was one of the guys in the facility that was responsible. Yeah. You're totally right. You're totally right. Tim, what do you got? Um, for starters, I totally forgot to mention that all the Rocky movies are now on HBO Max. So if you're interested in watching Rockies one through five, you can go to HBO Max and watch them. I know somebody who might be interested. Right. I have them all on Blu-ray, but yes, I love I love all the Rocky movies. Angelo loved to call himself the Spumoni Pony when we were <laughs> He wasn't quite the Italian no, stallion. Just, okay. <laughs> you guys, that is incorrect. I didn't love to call myself the Spumoni Pony. My family decided I was not uh, worthy of the Italian stallion, so they loved to call me the Spumoni Pony. Tim, I never heard his family call him that. That only ever came out of Angelo's mouth. Yeah. That's fair. You got to embrace your nickname. <laughs> I watched Coming to America. Um, I will say nope. lots in case we do it. We're doing that next week. Doing next week. So I watched that. I also watched um, Ryan the Last Dragon, which I thought was fantastic. It's out already? It's out on Disney+. Plus. I know my friends with kids are excited about that. Yeah, it's really fun. Great animation, a fun story. I was locked in from beginning to end. I thought it was one of the best sort of animated films this has done in a long time. Really, really enjoyed it. Maybe I'll watch that today. It's basically, is it based on like Vietnamese or South Asian or Southeast Asian sort of? Uh, kind of, yeah. As much as any of theirs. <laughs> yeah. It's good though. I watched that and then I watched UFC 259. That was last night. Was that last night? 259? UFC? Uh, yes. Friday night? It's, yeah. it's Friday night, I thought. Uh, what was last night then? It was 259, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just definitely afraid of Amanda Nunez. That was my takeaway. Yeah. It's so dominant and scary and quick. And she hits with power and she the strikes were crazy. And she took out Anderson with an arm bar. It was just really scary to watch. Like it was like on her from the, the start of the bell. So yeah, I watched that, and that's kind of it. I've been you know low key watching murder shows a lot. A lot of murder shows. I'm watching like Murdered by Mormons or whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna start that soon. And I, I've I've told my friend I'm gonna start The Crown. I've never watched an episode of The Crown. I'm gonna start The Crown. So I'm gonna. The start. Crown is magnificent i hear all i hear is good things and which is funny because it kind of ties into what i've been watching when we get there you watch i'm done so you can talk about how you watch bridgerton i imagine how did you know <laughs> I figured, I figured that's what the was bridgerton. i watched bridgerton and you know what it's pretty great yeah i was resistant to begin with and then i i came out of a you know a bad not bad bad space but you know like uh you know, I had a lot to do, stressed out. Sit down and watch this this Bridgerton show that Shalia had tried to get me to watch. And it's good. Like, full stop. It's good. Yeah. Wow. Um, Angelo, you have watched it? Not yet. That's a show you could watch with Sarah. I kept, this is an inside joke with, well, not that inside, but inside joke with Shalia. I kept saying, is that is that the bad guy? And she was like, this isn't really a show with a bad guy. Tim, have you watched it? Not all, not the whole season, but yeah, some of it. Okay, I hope that's not a spoiler. But I can't no, wait. No, no. I was like, it's not, it's not a show to bad guy. 
yeah it's 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 about interpersonal relationships like there's plenty of conflict and that sort of thing but i kept waiting for like the mustache twirling villain or somebody to show up in the castle just twirling his fingers yeah i also appreciate that they let us know who um by the end of it you find out who um a specific person is um they didn't hold a mystery all the way through um because i hate like waiting season after season like that um, so I really, and it was a surprise and it made sense. Um, I, they don't put a whole lot of, uh, effort. They don't need to into describing why it is that, uh, it's such a multicultural society at that time and mm-hmm. period in time. They mm-hmm. just said the past is different. Fine. There's black people all over, uh, within the higher classes. I like it. If you really pay attention, I do want to say that the the black characters are the a lot of them are the ones that I feel like are a little more. What word would you use? Negative. Okay. They have a more a little more of a negative portrayal. Okay. Right. Um, but not in a really bad way, I guess. It's just like, oh, so that's the character that is having premarital sex, right? Ooh, right. Stuff like stuff like that. But um, fantastic show. Watch it. I'm actually looking forward to next uh, next season already. Um, and the connection to Angelo, actually, Angelo said he started to watch Outlander. And after I finished watching Bridgerton, I was like, I want to watch something else in that style. More messy drama, huh? So, period piece <laughs> on top of it. And Shalia put on, um, put on Outlander while I was cooking. We didn't get very far into it, but it was funny that Angelo had been watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I watched is Mr. Robot. Tell me one of you guys have watched that. Yes, I've seen it. I finished Mr. Robot. Good. Also pretty fantastic. Good. Um, Good Shalia did not like anybody in that show. I, I know. <laughs> but I really, I, I thought it was a pretty uh, engaging plot. Um, great acting. Uh, I don't know how they made hacking as interesting as it is while keeping it pretty close to what hacking is, which is just sitting in front of a terminal writing like a lot (laughs) tv hacking is so much fun um so i would highly recommend that but i'm kind of going through those quickly because what i've really been watching will tie us right into our movie so um actually i'll just let you introduce the movie starting now yeah this is will graham of the fbi this is what the subject's teeth look like fbi agent will graham Manhunter. Our movie today is Manhunter from 1986, um, directed by Michael Mann, written by Michael Mann, based on a book by Thomas Harris. And who was the cinematographer you mentioned? Um, Dante's. Do you remember Angelo? Let me pull that up real quick. Spinotti. Dante Spinotti. Who is also the cinematographer for Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. which is the 2002 adaptation of this same book which yeah. the book is named red dragon not manhunter and yeah. i have some theories why this is called manhunter and not red dragon i'll, I'll bring up okay. i can tell you exactly i can tell you exactly why that is we'll get there in a sec yeah because uh, yeah. he's also the cinematographer uh for heat another man michael man project probably his best um, his best film i'd say I'd say, uh, my opinion, Heat is his best film. 
I started watching it. I actually have the Blu-ray. I started watching it, and then something came up. So I haven't you never finished Heat. No. <laughs> These are stuff I didn't catch when I was in. Oh my gosh. School, right or middle school. No. Yeah, I'm not yeah. okay with that. Okay, yeah. I'll sit and watch it in my first Daft Punk. Now this, you're really driving Angelo crazy. I know. I did. I, it's five Luckily, o'clock somewhere. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go pour a drink and start drowning some sorrows here. I could go for a drink. Well. That'll happen. <laughs> podcast. So I'll finish Heat. Um, and also, he did uh, X Men Last Stand, which is another Brett Ratner movie. Brett Ratner being the director of the 2002 Red Dragon. So uh, a lot of connections there. Okay. So it stars William Peterson as Will Graham, Kim Grice as Molly, who plays his wife, Joan Allen, who I recognize as Reba, Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter. It's really. It's so funny because Hannibal is really two people for me, right? It's Mads Mikkelsen, Mad Mikkelsen, yeah. and yep, and in uh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. And Brian Cox is like his hair slicked back, and he got the similar cadence, but it's just yeah. I think I have a lot of positive to say about about his portrayal. He was great. I do too. Dennis Farida is Jack Crawford. Uh, Tom Noonan plays Francis Dollar High. Stephen Lang is in here. It's Freddie. I didn't almost didn't recognize him. Famous uh, for things such as Avatar and being a huge muscle head. And he should have been the guy who played Cable in Deadpool 2. Yeah. He's Jack. Uh, that's it. Angelo, as guest, do you do you want to walk us through the plot? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, you know, this is the story of uh Will Graham a detective who has uh, was responsible for bringing Hannibal Lecter to jail, to prison. It's a story of uh, Will removing himself from the vocation of detective and tracking down uh, sociopaths and psychopaths, uh, but being brought back in by Jack Crawford um, uh, to track down a killer who's initially when the movie's begun, it's a killer who has murdered a family in Georgia and in Alabama, Atlanta and Birmingham. And um they he you know brings will back in back into the game to try and track down this killer and it begins with uh you know will going to see um dr lecter in jail and trying to get back on the scent of what it's like to be on a case and and get that vibe that mojo back uh to try and get in the head of this killer so he can track down this killer um turns out yep and Angelo, there's a specific reason here because this because Will Graham as a character is highly em- empathic to the point they really describe in the books too that he takes on the mannerisms of people when he's in conversation with him. Mm-hmm. So his ability, his secret ability, not secret, special ability to find these people is is really being able to get in their head. So to that's become why, them. to become them almost, um, which is a problem for him. But that is the specific reason in this movie and in the book that he goes to see Hannibal Lecter. Absolutely. And right. so then, uh, oh, go ahead, Tim. That's part of the conversation he had with his son in the store. When his son said he went to a special hospital, he kind of explained to him how he captures these guys and how it gets in their minds and those thoughts are still around. So he had to go someplace else to help them sort of clear his head. And now he's okay now. Really yeah, great scene that is not in the other movie. And I don't recall it being in the book either. Great. It's very helpful. It's helpful to explain sort of Will Grant's process. Also, there's yeah. a ton of colorful uh, cereal behind him. You guys yeah. looking out of those old cereal boxes? Yeah. yeah. 
I saw yeah. that. Talk about made in the 80s, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Well, that dad <laughs> hanging out on the show. Dad, you, you meant to say like Wilford Brimley, diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. <laughs> or or as the old people in my in my life called it, the sugars. The sugars. The sugars. The sugars sugar. hanging out. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Angela. No, no, you're good, man. So, um, yeah, he goes and sees Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Um, and, yeah, he's kind of on the sense of the case. And he is – it gets to the point where, you know, he is emotionally becoming involved with the case. Um, but Lecter uh, being – if you've seen Silence of the Lambs or you've seen any of the other Hannibal movies, you know he's, he's kind of a trickster. And so he devo- uh, de- gets the information of – Will Graham's home address. His family has to go into WITSEC or you know protective custody, and um, Will's just trying to figure out who is this killer. And it gets to the point where they try to provoke him, uh, and Will knows that the killer is not a pervert, uh, that he's um, not well, not a homosexual male pervert. That is, and he they provoke him in the media, they provoke him in the newspaper, and try to draw him out, and by doing so. Uh, actually, what ends up happening is he is endangers and baits the um, journalist who does the article for him. One of, the most, <laughs> one of the most disturbing deaths and situations I've seen on film. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So, well, um, could, you, could you imagine me that security guard who just sees this flaming wheelchair rolling at you? That's, in, you know, in, in, in both Manhunter and Red Dragon. Much better, I think, in Red Dragon because it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. But that interrogation scene where he just, he knows he's in trouble and he's trying everything he can to get out of it. And it's just he has a glimmer. He has a glimmer of hope at one point. At one point. At one point, and then it's just like it's gone. So this is the point where I'm going to say to our dear friends that I I went above and beyond for this one. The other (laughs) things that I've been doing for the last week is watching both Red Dragon. And the story arc, the uh, Tooth Fairy story arc in the Hannibal show from a couple of years yeah. ago. And I didn't make it all the way through um, the book. I'd read it before, but I uh, restarted the Red Dragon book. So wow. I have a lot of context I want to share as we go. Hey, yeah, interrupt me at any point. Do you want me to keep going though for now? Um, I think we're pretty good. And we'll, we'll talk about the plot as we go along. But that is the setup and, and you know the main plot of the movie. The killer's name is Francis Dollarhide. One mm-hmm. of my, I think one of my favorite characters turns out. Yeah. I actually, Red Dragon is one of my favorite movies. And it, it's, it got decent reviews, but it gets beat up on a lot, possibly because of Brett Ratner. Probably. I don't think, I mean, I don't know that he's necessarily responsible for how bad uh, the third X-Men movie turned out. And he did Rush Hour 1 and 2, which are pretty good movies. Pretty good, yeah. I think. I like them. So I rewatched uh, it, and I was I was like, this is still one of my favorite movies. I, I think for me, what makes Red Dragon, I think, a tad bit more enjoyable, is in Manhunter they introduce Dollar Hyde late in the movie. Like you don't meet him until the third act, and then you don't meet his love interest till later on. In Red Dragon, you meet them super early. I think they rushed through him a lot. And, and I don't think they did a good job with him. And I'm not going to blame the actor. No, the actor was creepy. Yes. Don't, they don't give him enough to do. Like he shows up, you kind of meet him. He's kind of off-putting. Um, even, they don't even really set up when he takes her to 
visit the the tiger. That's not even. They really, do that right away. Yeah, they don't really set it up in Manhunter, and then it ends. You know, and then his treatment of her is different in Manhunter. Yes, he shows and, up towards the end and is like, "Francis, no more. Only the Red Dragon." And then he's like throwing her around the kitchen, and he tries to kill her, which is not how it goes in any of the other storylines. No, he tries and to kill her. It, I think it really messes with the theme of that character personally right. and, and my theory of why this is called manhunter which is well actually the actual reason is because at the time they believed that people were going to think it was asian and like either a japanese movie which i think we talked oh. about at the time um america's relationship with japan was a little more fearful they were an economic powerhouse and that sort of thing. We, we saw that even in um die hard with yep. uh um the yakuza what was the name talk the the building you, uh. Nakatomi Towers. Nakatomi. Um, Nakatomi. Yeah. Or that it may, they thought people might think it was a uh, Kung Fu movie, which doesn't make sense if once you so, see a single, a, like a single image or trailer of that movie. But, right. but I think when, it's when called I, Manhunter or it's appropriately called Manhunter because it focuses so much more on Will and his, um, his hunt for, uh, for uh, the Tooth Fairy. Tooth fairy. Yeah. As opposed to focusing on the tooth fairy, who is also you know possessed or something like that by the red dragon. So yeah. So the other the other thing that I I read about why they named movie Manhunter was that in 1985, Year of the Dragon came out and it was an absolute flop, and oh. they didn't want to have oh. any confusion with Year of the Dragon, and so that was another I mean, contributing factor. That's several reasons it sounds like. But yeah. also, you know, when you when you're watching this film and it's really is about it really is a Will Graham film. Yeah. Yes. His story, what he's doing. And it, one thing they touch on a little bit more, not too much here, is he's killing on a lunar cycle. And so they're kind of up against the clock of when he's gonna murder again. It's a pretty good, like, yeah, ticking clock so, situation. So they're trying to catch him and, and, and put these pieces together, and they do weird stuff like the lighting and stuff is crazy. Like, it's, it's it's got this blue youth and it's got this dark sort of misty look. Like when they're driving up to Dollar Hyde's house, it's like really dark and foggy looking. Like, do a lot of real cool visual stuff, but they do a lot of really random. Like when when Will figures out how Dollar Hyde is 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 catching this family, it's like this weird music, and he's sort of staring out the window. Very, he's very confident that he's right. And you know they're on the phone trying to figure it out. And then you cut to his scenes with uh, Hannibal, and it's this really stark white, very pale, very clear. But I think in in Red Dragon they handle that they handle the tooth fairy message on toilet paper to to uh, Hannibal much better. Yeah, you get the urgency of like how smart Hannibal is and how they have to trick him. They're trying to trick him to not let them know that they've been in his cell reading his notes. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, from the book, they described the fact that the guy who's cleaning his cell got kind of lazy and was yeah. just wiping things down with toilet paper, which is how he found the note. Um, one thing about the Red Dragon movie, and we're going to be, I think, talking about all of these different storylines together um, uh, from the different uh, portrayals, um, is that Hannibal's in it a whole lot more. Yeah. In fact, in this movie, in, in Manhunter, he only really engages with Hannibal twice. Twice, yeah. First is in person to get, you know, get back into the mindset. And the second is on the phone. 
and Hannibal is just chilling with his legs up. Just they're just having like an old friend talk yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more of, of Hannibal, like I said, in the Red Dragon movie. They add a, what I think is a pretty great um, prologue showing how Will Graham kind of accidentally almost catches him. Yeah, he, he, he tells that story yeah. in, in, to his son. To his son, what happened. And, and also, he also visits him two more times. One of them is a pretty good scene, too, where he's walking around kind of a basketball court chained up. Um, but one thing that you know, I did a lot of reading on this too is they take a lot of Will Graham's agency or or con contributions away and give it to Hannibal. Like Hannibal's the one who's basically leading him through this whole thing, and it kind of takes away the detective abilities that um, Will Graham has. Yeah. So I think this movie is much better at that. Um, yes. One other thing is that this movie is lower budget. Yeah, like a lot of the offices and stuff, they don't have very much decoration, so the whole thing seems a lot sparser. Yeah, even funnier is like when Will Graham loses it; it's the funniest shit. Like, oh like, my gosh, you took off your gloves, didn't you, you bastard? Like, yeah, <laughs> so mad. <laughs> I, I start. I, I stopped counting, but I almost wanted to keep a, a counter going of the number of times I heard him say, "Jesus Christ, you're goddamn it!" Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> he was so, losing he was it. So mad at the at the. Uh, at the, the video. Dragon, oh, at the Red Dragon throughout. He's like, oh, you you had to do this, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You touched him, didn't you? Like, he's so mad. I was like, dude, relax. No one else is in the room with you. Relax. I do think I do, uh, I do think the scene with the tiger, though, I think that might be one of the better scenes I've seen in a movie of this type. Like, it was really artfully done. I, yeah. I think um, the the you know, the expression of emotion on both Dollar Hyde's face and on Reba's face mm -hmm. and just like her appreciating this beast that she can't see. Yeah. And she's not afraid of it. And it's the same with him, right? Like she was appreciating and uh, in awe of this, in, in his mind, a beast that she can't yeah. see and she's not afraid of him. Yeah, you know, and I think he was having a bit of sexual pressure. Though. Yeah. Oh, when he's watching that video and he's getting all excited, it's pretty gross. Mm -hmm. With her in the room? Yeah, when he's watching the home video with her. Um, One thing I think that they miss out in this movie mentioning because they rushed through his relation with Reba is that her one of her memories, because she loses her sight when she's seven, yeah. is of a puma. And she's like, I don't even know if I remember what it really looked like. Um, the, the image in my head might actually be a goat or something like that. Yeah. But I think that that kind of informs why he is taking her to see the tiger. And yeah. I had always, I, for some reason, remembered the the whole him. He needed like some ultraviolet uh, film from her, UV film or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Or his infrared, infrared. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was something he was using for his crimes. But he, I, that was a legit thing that he was doing. And that's, I think, how he has that relationship with the zoo. Yeah, it was for mm -hmm. the zoo. They mentioned in Red Dragon that it's, he's doing something. She, in passing. But I like the, the Reba storyline because it humanizes him. And you see, at least in Red Dragon more, you see he cares for her. When he's, that scene, he's looking out the window and he sees her. And he's sort of having this sort of argument with himself about what not to do, <clears throat> to harm her. Um, he spares her in Red Dragon. And a pretty brilliant sort of scheme that he has. He's smart. To fake, his to fake his death. He's smart. 
Um, yeah. I love, I love that. Yeah. I was going to say too, Kenan said something that really kind of struck a chord with me where um, it was the idea of Hannibal leading Will through much of it and kind of taking away from his detective capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I watched Hannibal, which I absolutely love this, this, this is the TV, the NBC TV show Hannibal. I loved it. I felt the same way, right? Like Will was brilliant, but without mm-hmm. Hannibal leading him, I don't know that he would have ever come to several of the conclusions and closures of the case. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, you know, uh, a result of, of the, how do I say, the cultural impact of Hannibal Lecter, yeah. right? Um, I think you're right. But also, I think they, they touch on it a little bit more in Red Dragon, where Will is like, oh, so you brought me here just to get Hannibal. Hannibal doesn't talk to anybody. Right. Oh, he's like, oh, you brought me here. He's like, no, just, you know, if you can, if you need a little help. They sort of, he's kind of nudging him to do it because they're they're at a loss. They don't know. No, 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 no. In this movie, in this movie, you might be getting the two confused. He, just like in the book, is the one who, who decides to go and see Hannibal. Oh, no, I was talking about, no, I was talking about Red Dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah they Red take Dragon. that away in Red Dragon. They kind of push him to do it. But on this one, yeah, he, he decides to go talk to him. Has that yep. scene where he runs out of the hospital and then the guy from the tower gets all the pictures of him and puts them on the front page. He walks, in Red Dragon, he walks out very calmly. I think it's a very it's more affecting that he, because what, what Hannibal says to him in the other versions is, you're like me. Yeah. Right? And that freaks him out enough that he, he rushes. And in the book, they even say he has this feeling that Hannibal left the building with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's trying to shake this idea that He's been he that went to like a mental hospital for, and he, yeah. feels, he feels it coming back. That's why he runs out frantically out the hospital. An interesting thing too is is this book came out in like 1981, and the um, the so in the book actually I think takes place even more in the 70s. It has a different feel to it. The houses that he goes to are very modern 80s sort of houses. Yeah. Which are weird, like for I don't feel like they're they're kind of trendy. I, I wouldn't imagine those houses in Birmingham or in. No. Atlanta. Um, Atlanta of the time, but um, what's I gonna say? Oh, his mental illness is is kind of portrayed diff- differently. Well, I'm not portrayed like reacted to differently because he mm-hmm. basically goes in for depression, and people yeah. are acting like th- that that is something that is crazy. He doesn't have like dissociative or any sort of more I think serious or like violent sort of thing. He goes mm-hmm. in because he's depressed, and I think. Further on in time, you know, in the 2000s, definitely, people being depressed is not the sort of thing that you're like, oh, they're crazy and they belong in the crazy house. Like, right. he's just depressed, you know, which makes a lot of sense. He was stabbed <laughs> all, all in the hospital. <laughs> there's, that, there's that scene in Red Dragon when they ask him, how did he, how did he capture Hannibal Lecter? He says, I let him kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like, I think he's really me. good Will Graham, um, Edward Norton does. Yeah. But, you know, back to Manhunter, can we talk about how creepy Francis Dollarhide looked with that half stocking over his face? Oh, my gosh. With the long hair and the and the kind of uh, receding hairline, like, help yeah. with that as well. That stocking over his face is so creepy. And it would show these shots of, like, his back, and you could see his hair sticking out. It just looked... Is, looked- is Tom, the actor, Tom Noonan, is he really tall? I believe so. Yeah, because I think that added. I mean, he was just cast very well. 
you know that care that character is supposed to be very imposing he lifts weights and he just has a big like physical frame um and it explains how he does some of the things he does like he's just yanking up uh frank freddie lounge and, and stuff like that um, oh yeah in the in the in the van chloroform yeah. chloroform senior well, in Red Dragon, the, he the, <laughs> he like uh, leans into the um, Freddie Lowndes does leans into the van to talk to, him. not even leans up. He walks up to him and he just grabs him like a trap door spider and almost yeah. pulls him yeah. in. Um, the one thing I do appreciate out of out of this film is they don't really show the murders, so we never actually see him commit these crimes. We He's, don't see it in any of the versions. We see any of it. You never see him commit the crimes. You never see what the tooth fairy does. So the only fear you have is how he reacts around other people. So, so well, I thought about that. Aftermath, the aftermath of his yeah. visit. Yeah. But see, I thought about that too, right? And I wonder if there is supposed to be some kind of metaphor to, you know, Dollarhide doesn't commit the crimes. Red Dragon does. And we never see the Red Dragon either. Yeah. Well, we see him. Well, okay. I'm getting these all mixed up. We, I think we do see him. He's the Red Dragon, for instance, when he's uh, interviewing Freddie Lowndes. Or interviewing, yeah, <laughs> that's the red dragon. And in the movie Red Dragon, I think we see him going between the two. So I feel like we. Yeah, do- I don't know because to, to say that he is that when he's doing the interview with Freddie Lowndes, but he at that point he's still saying I'm becoming. So I don't know that he is that yet. Yeah, it felt like the red dragon point. talking through him. Like okay, that's fair. That's fair. You. You know, That's like coming out, yeah. um, like he's tra- he's because he keeps talking about the transformation. So when he when he's interviewing him, he's like, "Do you see the leads? Do you see Mrs. Leeds? Do you see whatever?" And he thinks, "Do you see her transform?" So he's having this conversation, yeah. about transformation. Then and see, I, and that's and that's why I wonder too. Like, you know, when I when I said that we the red dragons do the crimes, we don't see the red dragon do the crimes. Like even when he's interviewing Freddie Lowndes, and then he puts on the teeth, and then it goes, you know, you know, cut scene. Right, like it, we don't we don't, we don't see that go to completion. Well, right. no, we see him climb on and and, and bite the bite his. Yeah, he off. bites his face. Yeah. One of the yeah, most but, disturbing but, things to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah he just bites disturbing. his face. Ugh. But you're kind of right, Angela. Like he, he, I do feel like he's becoming, and I see it at certain times. And I did, I did want to mention too that I think this movie, Manhunter, does a superior job with the William Blake painting scene. Yeah. So we should mention the Red Dragon um is this he gets the idea from this painting by william blake what is the guy's first name something blake it's a famous picture and it's called so they mess it up in this movie or in another movie um it's because there's a couple of paintings that are similar with similar naming names this one they call it uh the red dragon and the woman clothed in the sun and it's this picture based or this painting based off of revelations the book of revelations in the bible and it shows kind of satan with in kind of a dragon form big wings and a long tail standing over a woman it's very sexual like the tail is very phallic it seems like and so that is what he is doing in these these two crimes which take place before the actual movie starts he kills these families lines up the other members of the family and and he you know sexually i don't know if it's sexual assault after you're dead but you know um and he's it, he's basically recreating that power he wants he believes that he is i don't know worthless and and uh deformed and all this so so he wants this power to transform into something more than what he believes he is 
And so he's recreating these scenes with these families where he smashes the windows or the, mm-hmm. the mirrors, mirrors yeah. glass, puts it in the, the eyes of his victims so that it looks like they're looking at him. And a small point here is that the families, if I, if I recall correctly, are their compositions different. It's boys, families with like, I think only sons, at least one of the families is. And you see that there's daughters in this. And I believe it's because in the book, they describe um, from Will Graham's point of view, he remembers, he has this memory of things called Cupid dolls, mm-hmm. Cupid dolls, and uh, from when he was young. And he realizes that he, that the Tooth Fairy is making these people into dolls. Now in the other versions, I believe the, they have daughters there so he can see the, the dolls in their mm-hmm. house and come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that I think I found very fascinating <clears throat> when watching uh, Manhunter the second time around in like two weeks, <laughs> I like rewatched it because I was like, I don't remember much about this film, um, was how a couple things made me laugh out loud, even though it's not a comedy. One was Will Graham just having these very explicit crime photos out on a plane next to a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seems, like, it was kind of funny. Flipping through them. I was like, fam, there's a kid next to you. He just does not care. He's like, no, I'm going through my my thing. And then the other thing was um, when they tackle when they tackles that black guy who's just jogging, minding his business. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh. I that as well. <laughs> and like all these guns get pulled off, get pulled on him, and they're like, oh, wrong guy. I'm like, yeah. The guy's like, take my wallet, dude. I'm yeah. just running. He's like, why is this moving in slow motion? Yeah, he's got his headphones <laughs> in, so he doesn't hear. He doesn't hear anything. He just gets tackled by the police, and they. They jump out on him out of the out of the, the SWAT vans. I was like, man, they racial profile the hell out of that guy. Good for him. Though. Yeah, I think. Well, they hoodie you know, profiled him. Yeah, hoodie profiled him. Yeah, he got a hoodie and he's running. I mean, the, the worst. The character Will Graham obviously is what makes this story, what makes this movie, uh, or, or you know, large contributor to that. But the actor, you know, William Peterson. You remember, you know, his, his kind of big claim to fame is that he was on CIS for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, it, I feel like it's the same exact character, you know, like this cool, calm, collected reserve guy that all of a sudden has these emotional outbursts. Right. Um, yeah, it's just the actor, I think, is the only... It, it, if it would have gone on for another half hour, I feel like he could have ruined the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, this version of him, I was never a huge fan on, in Hannibal of Will Graham. I thought he was too twitchy, like they, he was acting too much. But it gives me more of an appreciation of him because this character is so in in Manhunter is so thoughtful. Like you, you get a lot of internal Have you- a lot of his internal feeling, and it makes me appreciate also that aspect in the Hannibal see, like, show. But see, like I can understand that that's what they're trying to do. Like, and, and they wanted you to get that in, 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 a, a view into his internal feelings. I just feel like he's just so bad at it; it wasn't well done. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it. Atmospheric, where it's just like Will Graham in the empty house, and everything behind him is white, and it's just he's standing there, and it's got this pulsating music, and then it's the him music. staring out at the water, and it's this beautiful backdrop. We should fun. mention that this is a very eighties movie. All very, of that oh part. yeah, oh yeah, and the colors and the music, yeah. the the soundtrack. I think that all adds to it, a time, a place in time. Like, listen, and honestly, a lot of a lot of the 80s culture uh, and, and timeline aspects I thought were really well done. I enjoyed them. Yeah. 
Because he could rewatch it. Wealthy people he's murdering, right? These are people who have enough money to have camcorders and yep. enough money to pay someone to edit a video of their family. In the book, yep. he, he mentioned several times in, within his thoughts how materialistic these people are. All yep. of these toys, the golf clubs that the guys have and, and all of the different stuff. And yes, the, the video cameras are pretty critical. And before I forget, um, as far as place and time, um, I want to say, well, we should talk a little bit about the ending of or how he figures this well, out. Which I have one that, more question before you move on, because I think it was important because you were talking about Will Graham and Hannibal. Have you finished Hannibal yet? Kind of. I skipped the, the first few episodes of season three so that I could get to the Red Dragon storyline. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so, I mean, that twitchy aspect, I agree with you. Up until the way that the show concludes, you know, on the, like the latter half of the last season, I don't see that as much in him anymore. And it's almost like he's he kind of put his boots on the ground and said, I know who I am and I know what I have to do. I think yeah. it's the time jump because there's a time jump there is. Um, within the show because this, this story would happen about three years or so after Hannibal is, is captured. I think he's yeah. a little more sure. He's got, he stepped away from it. He has a family and all of that sort of thing. Um, I yep. think that, that contributes to what you were talking about. Yeah. So he, but, on the show, he's been in prison for three years. Yeah. When the, when the Francis Dollar High shows up. Yeah. So one of my favorite aspects of this, there's a couple of them, and that would be how he figures out what is the, the I don't know, the, the clue. And that is that Francis Dollar Hyde is working at a movie, not movie, like a video service that, that, puts together your home movies into a more professional sort of presentation. And that is how he knows so much about the families, the house, the houses, their and all of that. And Mm -hmm. Tim, we're both kind of fans of the last podcast on the left. Right. Mm -hmm. And I believe if I'm correct, that this is related to a real serial killer named Dennis Rader Mm -hmm. who worked for ADT security and had a whole lot about who who had a lot of information about his his victims um another thing i want to point out in 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 the mindhunter show yes episode with like one episode was like a random like an adt van just parked outside someone's house like i knew what it meant yeah your average watcher might not oh that was killing me go ahead kenneth go ahead another connection being the atlanta murders because and they bring it out a lot in the books is that this is a transitional time for Atlanta. I think they had just opened the largest international airport, at yeah. least in the country. And the, the, um, the culture of Atlanta is changing at the time. And I think that the, the book really gets into that really well, that story, which is something from, like I said, the Atlanta child murders. Um, at the time, they were really trying to downplay that because they were trying to become this international city. The, the new yeah. South is one of these things that they're talking yeah. about. And in a, the, what I find interesting is that the only version of this story where they change the location is Hannibal. They mm-hmm. changed the location of the two murders to, I believe, Buffalo and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Angelo, do you recall? I don't recall. They changed it to two northern cities. While mm-hmm. in the book, this movie and Red Dragon, it's Birmingham first and then Atlanta where these families were both um, living. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's it's fun. It's it's a I mean Manhunter is such an 80s film, but like it's got a lot of really good sort of skeletons in it that I think carry forward that makes it 
fun rewatch if you're into this kind of crime stuff and into sort of the psychological thriller part of it. Yeah, I think what's what's really interesting about Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon is that the thr- to me the scary or the, the thriller aspect of these films is not the killer themselves. It's it's what's going on in the emotions and the minds of the detective or detectives, as well as uh, in, in Hannibal, who's behind a cell, mm-hmm. right? So like the, the thrilling aspect is it, to me is like, I, I it, dealing with that type of emotions or the way that Will Graham is an empath and things like that, like there's so much tied up and so much darkness and, and, and I don't know, just fear that to me, that's almost more thrilling than what Dollar Hyde is doing. Right. I would argue that I wouldn't call this movie a thriller as much as a suspense movie. There's tension and suspense to me is really what is going on here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hear that. The other kind of, I think, major elements um, before we talk about Hannibal, which I think we should talk a bit more about, is that he, the ending of this movie, which gets changed, like I said before, but yeah. in, the, in the other versions of the story, Dollarhide uh basically he tricks them into thinking he commits suicide he fakes his death mm-hmm. and he's called the tooth fairy i realized we never even really mentioned it because he bites his victims but what's interesting is that he's using his grandmother's dentures mm-hmm. right and that plays into well first of all his, his grandmother was awful apparently um abusive very abusive and it, it kind of gives you a little more compassion for him um but what he manages to do because his girlfriend is blind is to pretend like he shoots himself in the head with a shotgun, allows her to touch his face or expects that she'll touch his face afterwards and has those teeth in there. So it fools them for a while. And that allows him to, to sneak to Will Graham's house and try to kill him. I think that I really am disappointed with the change to the story to kind of a basic cop shootout at the end of. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. So I, I think that that is a loss to the story. But again, it becomes Will Graham's story, not as much Francis Dollarhide's story. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, the, the shootout at the end seems, it's like a cheap 80s payoff. Like, oh, the bad guy bursts. He like, Will Graham jumps through the window. Like yeah. Rambo. And like has a shootout. Which which does not make mean, sense because they even in Manhunter, they're kind of pushing the fact that he does not want anything to do with the killer. He wants no. to be in the background. He wants to fight the fact him. that he turns, yeah, the fact that he turns into a action hero at the end is counter to his character as described. Yeah, but even you know, in in in, in Red Dragon, it's the two when they're put up against each other at the very end. It's Dollar High doing what he does best, right? Faking his death, making his way to Florida, sneaking in Will Graham's house, and it's Will Graham walking in the house and seeing the mirrors broken and it's kind of deducing what's happening and then the conversation he has with his son yeah berating him about peeing on himself he knows he's going to get to francis yeah i mean that's a better ending the other main thematic thing that gets missed is that um will graham he's tried to escape this life by moving to Florida, getting a family, which is, is kind of different between the different versions, because in this version, it is his child. Right. Right. But in, in Hannibal and in the book, he married a woman who already had a child because he is worried about passing on what he believes is his defects. Right. He gets this wet ready-made family 
to try to escape that that world, those situations. But he has taught his wife how to shoot a pistol, yeah. and she is in, ends up being the one who kills Dollarhide, and that is kind of a circular theme of the violence visits his family. He loses that solace of a family that was separated from the terrible things that happened. And I don't recall if it's the book or the movie, but there is a reference in Silence of the Lambs, the fact that he gets divorced and becomes an alcoholic. So his story is a tragic one in that he loses that. Mm. He ends up, you know, being a sad character in the end. This destroys him. Yeah. I think that was, I think that the foreshadowing or the, you know, it was in the cards all along for him, right? You know, you, when he had to go to the psychiatric uh, hospital and, and have a stay there after Hannibal, I don't think it was ever going to get better for him. Um, no. You know, he, it was just going to be this endless loop of, I'm going to do my job to help out society, but that's going to take its toll on me. Yeah. And then it's going to take its toll on my family. Yeah. And I, I think he was, it was just, it was always in the cards. Yeah. It was going to come at a cost to him and he just... He's gonna have to pay that cost. He's doing the work. He's gonna save people. It was gonna come at a cost to him personally. He was willing yeah. to make that sacrifice. The other, the other thing I've always, I think the reason why Red Dragon itself is still one of my favorite movies, and I like it actually better than The Silence of the Lambs, even knowing The Silence of the Lambs is probably a superior film. Well, mm-hmm. uh, is Hannibal, who I, I forgot to, or we haven't gotten to, but in this, he's much more menacing in a certain way. He, in, his interactions with Will Graham, he doesn't like will graham will graham caught him and he has this hostility towards him that he shows a lot in red dragon too he's in control essentially with all of his interactions with yeah Clarice, with clarice starling and he's playful he's playful yes. he's in control it, that tension between somebody who beat who, who essentially beat him which is has this great line that shows up in, in all of the different versions and he's like how did you find me or how did you beat me and he's like you had certain will says you had certain disadvantage Disadvantage. you were insane you're insane yeah yeah and i think that that is a more compelling uh, dynamic than he has with clarice in the the following yeah yeah i mean speaking of that too you know um there's a new show i'm sure you guys have seen it the clarice show have you guys watched the first i have not seen it it's it's really enjoyable it's another great network show which you know there hasn't been many of those in the last five years because everything great has been on you know cable or netflix or amazon but i actually have really enjoyed the first three episodes it's very well acted and yeah and it just gives you and it's not a serial killer show yet it's just it's the story of who is clarice after hannibal uh, after buffalo after buffalo bill apparently they don't have the rights to use the the money of the characters from the books so i don't think hannibal is able to show up in this book that's why it's or in this new show yeah no, and, and i mean if that's the case when you watch the show that's interesting because the depictions of buffalo bill are complete plagiarism these flashbacks mm. so they must have some rights <laughs> yeah. maybe they have the right i don't know what rights they yeah have. they do i forgot they do do flashback do flashbacks of him shoot of her shooting him with those goggles. yeah and, and, yeah i've heard of him and the dog and him sewing yeah. the flesh masks and yeah they do a lot of that in the show but it's good. It's, it's worth the watch if you're into that kind of thing. I watched the first three episodes as well. I have a couple of questions for you to kind of close out our discussion. Did you guys recognize some of the actors as uh, alumni from The Wire? No. Yes. Who did you recognize? Uh, Farina. No, that's Law and Order. He's from Law and Order. Oh, shoot. I will point out and... 
specifically, okay, well, this is for Red Dragon, actually. The guy who sees um, Freddie Lowndes roll down the hill on fire, he's from, he's one of the captains, I think, from yes. yeah. in The Wire. Yes. And I th- the reason why this comes to mind, other than me loving that show, is that this takes place in, a lot of it takes place in the Baltimore area. And I'm wondering if that's related. Probably why, yeah. But there's a uh, character, or there's an actor named Frankie Faison. Yeah, I know who Frankie is, yeah. Who is in all three Lieutenant, of... Lieutenant Fisk. Lieutenant Fisk. Yes, yep. in Manhunter. But who does yep. he play in Red Dragon and Hannibal? And probably... He's the orderly, right? Pri- yeah, he's yeah, the prison guard, or the psychiatric ward guard. Yeah. Barney. So he plays he plays a role in all three of these different um, movies. I thought that was pretty cool. Did you guys uh, happen to see um, or catch that Cabin Boy and the the guy from Groundhog Day was also in Manhunter? No, he he the comedian. Uh, yeah, he was uh, one of the first times that Will Graham sits down at a table with all the F- FBI yes. agents. I knew I recognized yeah. that guy. That's Cabin Boy. <laughs> That's great. Wow, I didn't realize that. That's funny. <clears throat> so I, then i wanted to ask you guys to kind of you know close this out sorry tim i didn't mean to interrupt did you have no 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 you're fine who is your favorite will graham if you've seen all of these three versions and who is your favorite hannibal um my favorite will graham is edward norton mm-hmm. and my favorite hannibal is mads mickelson same i Mads Mikkelsen is playing a, almost a different character. I love him. It's so good. It's so good. There's, there's something. There's something about his Hannibal. <laughs> I love Red Dragon at the beginning. We were talking about one of their one of their party guests has gone missing. <laughs> yeah. But in Hannibal, Hannibal's parties looked like so much fun. Yeah. The, he was like you. You believed him as this host. And this like lovable, engaging, smart guy that people kind of want to be around, like that was. And also, yeah. Jim was like, "I'm gonna try to kill you." Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna stab you because no one else is around. I would say my my favorite Will Graham is Edward Norton. I think he gets this the right balance. Yes. Um, as opposed to Hugh Dancy, like I said from the Hamlet. You touched him, didn't you, you bastard? You had to <laughs> put your gloves off. <laughs> um, doing that. My favorite Hannibal, I think, is I'll come back to um, super famous. How would I just blank on Anthony uh, Hopkins? Anthony Hopkins. I think he really is great, but I want to put a real. Uh, I really do like uh, the one from Manhunter. Uh, Brian Cox. Brian Cox. He really. The thing that I think he's got is that that menace and that antagonistic relationship with Will, and also I think it shows better that he has been masking something, right? You can see, but that he's really is, is a vicious, almost animal when he doesn't have, he doesn't yeah. have to, to hold on to that, um, to hold up that mask once he's captured. And so he seems yeah. more like a caged animal. More yeah. but, You know, what's interesting is, and I don't know if you guys got this feel when you watch the Hannibal TV show with Mads Mikkelsen, but it's almost like at no point does he really tell a bold-faced lie. He's always so in control. I feel like that's one of those yeah. things. Almost like Batman. Like, he's always a couple steps ahead, so he wouldn't yeah. have to lie. He just Yeah, he just directs the conversation where it needs to go so he doesn't have to lie. It makes you wonder if he's actually a bad liar. Right. I don't think he would like, be. 
Okay, but so m- more to the point of what I was trying to get to is that he, he's he's not only in such control, it's actually like his level of control and manipulation is attractive, charismatic. Yeah. It mm-hmm. draws you in and, and to the point where that that's how he just, it's like he just gets to keep little Will Graham with him all the time because Will loves him, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, puppy. Um, it's like a puppy for him. Yeah, and, and it's just, he is so in control. And he is, it, it's, yeah, it is charismatic, it's attractive. And that's the one problem I have with Anthony Hopkins is that he's obviously brilliant. Like the Hannibal that he's portraying is brilliant. He's much smarter than probably everybody else in the room, but he's, he's too much of this, a trickster. It's like, he just mm-hmm. feels a little too playful. And he's I don't know, I haven't read- He's a comic book villain. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I, don't, I haven't read the books, but I don't feel like that's who Hannibal is. You'll like, you'll like these books. They actually, and the main question I, I can't believe I almost forgot to ask you is which is your favorite dollar hide slash red dragon slash tooth fairy? Because Richard, is it Richard Armitage in the, in the Hannibal, Hannibal yeah. show mm-hmm. who also played Thorin Oakenshield in the ham, in the uh, Hobbit movies. Yeah. And he does this thing where instead of being a weightlifter, he's almost more of a yoga sort of, like he's very fit, yeah. but he, he's not just pumping iron. He's kind of a different no. character. Yeah, I'm. Man, I'm gonna have to go Armitage. I'm a huge Ray Fines. After watching all three of these, and again, I don't. Blame, Ray Fines is he's so good. He's really good, and he I think he does a bit better with the conflicted nature of the character. You're seeing kind of the the vulnerability. Um, yeah, and yeah. the when he does i don't want to give her up um, right yeah that whole scene is great dune is it just, noonan? what's his last name noonan noonan tom noonan i don't think he's given enough no but my problem i, I don't know fines is terrific he's done so many good films I, I mean he's an incredible actor i just i feel like he wasn't given enough either i think because he's such a good actor they actually could have done a little bit more with him like right. he's i i think he's 10 times the actor that armitage is um but i think I the way with- Go ahead. Well, I would I would agree with you because I like him so much that he should have more, but I think he has quite a bit. The okay. thing being is they put so much of Hannibal in there that they could have put little. I think they could have put less ham. Uh, uh, I said ham because he's kind of hamming it up. <laughs> they could have put less Hannibal into that movie, and like they do in Manhunter, yeah. um, use him more sparingly and got more into. Uh, the parallels or I really am very interested in the red dragon story in the, in Will Graham and Francis Dollarhide. That's what I really liked. And that's what I liked about Manhunter. It's a very top show and it very much a movie. And it really does get a lot of good Will Graham in there. So, yeah. 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 Well, all right. Favorite things. I, I think we've really gone over how much we love this. Yeah, movie. we have. Anybody want to point yeah. out. Freddie Lowndes, I think might be one of my favorite things. He's just so sniveling. He's such a uh, he's so slimy. Yeah. Um, my thing is probably Francis Dollarhide. Even though he's not in yeah. the much, I think he's compelling when he is in the movie. And Visually, he's the really great. Interrogation scene of Freddie Lowndes is great. Like it's it's terrifying. He doesn't do a whole lot to him. He's just so physically imposing. He's got the stocking half down his face, and he's talking. He's, he's very confident in what he's saying, but if you're listening to him, it sounds insane. 
And yeah. so someone say something very insane to you very confidently is probably terrifying. He's also the version <laughs> that I would most believe works at the place that he works at. Yep. Kind of a creepy, <laughs> awkward guy. He'd be by himself. With murderers, like uh, you always are of this sort, you're always hearing. He was, I never would have expected this guy, other than the fact that he drives a van, a panel van, which is always yeah. a red flag. A dead giveaway. That's, yeah. that's two flags. That's two flags, two red flags. <laughs> he, he seems the most to me like what a the book Dollar Hyde might be like. And also, I think because we both, you know, love the serial killer podcast and stories, the, there are people like him. Yeah. People like Francis Dollar Hyde. Who, who? They're these profiles, right? Who were abused when they were young. No one really knows. Have these weird outbursts, kind of a loner, kind of, but have access to people in a way that if you were kind of deranged, you could get all this information, and no one's going to think to put those pieces together. But you're 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 putting dots and connecting them where most people wouldn't, which yeah. is like, oh, this access to videos. That's how I'm picking my victims. Yeah. No one else is doing that. There's no personal relationship with these people, so they they're not understanding how you're putting these pieces together. So I think that's what makes him such a terrifying character is we've, we've read these stories and, and heard these podcasts enough to know that like, it's people like him. It's mundane in a certain way. It's so kind mundane. Of a mundane guy with kind of just an average job, but it it's t- twisted into something so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. what any woman, I find it really this one line when he, he wants to give Rebo a ride home and he's like, for my pleasure. That seems like a just a weird thing to say. Okay, I'm gonna get in the car anyways. Yeah, I think she feels sorry for him, and that she feels like they both have something in common. They do. And people pity them. She's a pretty great character. Yeah, she was like, "I'm not gonna pity you. You're not gonna pity me. We're we're fit together." All right. Uh, anything else before you rate it? Not for me. All right. Manhunter, 1986. Is it a classic? Or are we past it? Uh, it's a classic. Classic. It's a classic, actually. I I have to agree. It's not. It's no Red Dragon. <laughs> no, it was a classic. Do you think? Do you think Shalia could have watched this? She almost came down to Red watch Red Dragon with me, and then I think do Red Dragon. Like, Red, no, no, I, it, I don't think so. She'd have to turn her way, eyes away too many times because like. You know what's interesting? Speaking of Clarice, I actually think she could watch Clarice. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, because it's more of a like FBI show that has little flashbacks, but it's more about, and yep. it's more about Clarice and not about the killer. Oh, you mean yep. Clarice, the show? Maybe. The so. new one, yeah. She has a real problem with Silence of the Lambs because she's terrified of that happening to her. Mm-hmm. Well, Kidnapped and turned into a skin suit? Yeah, not, not that. Yeah, no. Let's yeah. not do that. Uh, All right. Well, next week we're going to do uh, the new. What is the name of the of coming numeral numeral to America? Oh, America. that's pretty easy. So, coming yeah. to America, the 2021 version we'll be doing, and I want to do a movie called Camelot in a couple <laughs> of weeks. I just randomly came across it. We may we might do that. I think it's from 1981. Okay. All right. Sounds fun. Andrew, All right, gentlemen. On. It's been fun. Always Thank a pleasure. You. No technical difficulties this time. It is Recorded. recording. It's, it's, I'm looking at it. It says recording in the corner. We're good. We should have Shalia back, who is apparently more technically competent when it comes to this. Than <laughs> <I am. laughs> He's a guru with this. It would be good to have her back.
All right. Good, good time with you guys. All right, man. Talk to you later. See you all.